Are you known as being a loyal person? You should be. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Betrayal is so bad, but it can be overcome so easily. And, and loyalty is an important thing. Not blind loyalty, just loyalty. Loyalty is an important thing. Let us be known as men and women that are loyal to God and loyal to one another. That we might just know that we can God, we have each other's backs in the Lord, in the Lord for good. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for we're delighted to be with you and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, a ministry of Calvary Aurora. We've all been hurt by the words or actions of another, but how we respond to it is critical. Today, we'll learn how to overcome evil with good through a study in 2 Kings 10. Pastor Ed will recall a time when Jehu took things too far and went on a search and destroy mission to wipe out the descendants of Ahab. It'll serve to help us respond to betrayal as God would have us. Again, the topic is betrayal because here these sons and grandsons of, of Ahab were betrayed and they lost their lives. But the body of Christ is bigger than your betrayal. Encouraging one another in the Lord is so important. Encouragement is a big part of our life in community here at Calvary. And there's a lot of different ways you can encourage. You can encourage through text messages. You can encourage through phone calls. You can encourage through emails. You can encourage by speaking to them. You can encourage right here before you leave. You can speak a word of encouragement or as we prayed in our time of prayer, you can speak and sow seeds of righteousness into someone's life. You can see an attribute in someone and say, I thank you. You know, I always appreciate this about you. Uh, you're always here early or you're always smiling or, you know, when we pray, you're so pat, you can find something that's very encouraging to say to someone. You know, people are just waiting to be encouraged. They're just waiting to be built up. And if you're the one that says, you know, I'm not going to encourage anyone until someone encourages me, like, you want to know how to be encouraged, just start encouraging people. Don't be waiting for people. That's where misery comes, you know. It's just you come in and go, nobody speaks to me, nobody greeted me, nobody cares, nobody, 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 nobody. But with that kind of attitude, you don't even care about yourself. Because if you're discouraged and you're beat up, the way out, you control. You can just begin to speak into someone else's life. You can ask, you can be looking for someone that's more discouraged than you. Imagine that. You're like, nobody's more discouraged. Believe me, there's someone here that's more discouraged than you. And you need to step into their lives and encourage them. So you can focus on the betrayal and become a bitter, angry person that doesn't enjoy the fellowship of the, of the believers, that doesn't get the blessing for the moment that God has for you, why you're listening on the radio, why you're sitting in this room, why you're downstairs, why you're, you have presented yourself to the Word of God. You can be angry and bitter and blaming and upset all the time, 
and, and just be, just like here, betrayal killed him, and betrayal will kill you too if you let it. Or you could turn it around and realize that you're part of the body of Christ and everyone has a place. Some people are arms, some people are feet, some people are mouths, but everyone has a place in the body and everyone's important. Everybody is to be used. You know, in Colossians chapter 2, it says that, for I want you to know what a great conflict, this is verse 1 of chapter 2, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and for those in Laodicea, for as many as not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged. Would, would you turn to Colossians real quick because I want you to write something down. So write this down because we're not going to develop it, although we are spending quite a bit of time on this. We're not going to develop it uh, because we could if we wanted to. But this word for encouraged in Colossians chapter 2 verse 2 you can circle it and write next to it, parakaleo. Again, those of you that study the Bible, you know this is the same word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit, the one that comes alongside, the one that literally stands next to. This is the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. The English word encourage comes from a combination of en, which means to put into, and the Latin root core, which means heart. It means to speak into someone's heart words of affirmation, words of encouragement. We just don't know what's going on in a person's heart. We just don't know what's going on in a person's home. We just don't know what's going on in a person's mind. I mean, imagine the room today. Imagine the room that you're in right now filled with the encouragement of the Lord from one another. So take a minute and just look to someone next to you and say something nice to them. Encourage them in the Lord. Just take a moment. Go ahead. This room should be loud with encouragement. Just say, I like you, or I'm glad you're here, or whatever. Whatever you need to say. Now, now flip around and do it the other way. If you're out on there on the radio, just say it out loud. Just, it's good that you're here. I'm going to encourage you guys. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're not in front of a TV. Okay, that's enough encouragement. All right, that's enough. That's enough. So check this out. The church has been filled, this building today has been filled with worship. It's been filled with Bible study. It's been filled with prayer. It's been filled with men and women surrendering themselves to communion. And now, for a brief moment, just by a choice that you made, it's been filled with encouragement. And that just covers all the negative stuff that you might have walked in with. And some of you are like, well, it's just, you know, whatever, you know, you just made us do it. No, no. God spoke into your heart. All you need to do is now receive it by faith. And that if no one, you know, if you're sitting alone or you're not able to be with no, someone or someone, listen, I'm glad you're here. God loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That should encourage you. So now everyone's been encouraged. You see, you could fill the room with whatever you want to fill the room with just by your choice. That's what happens in your cubicle. You can do the same thing. It happens when you are driving on the road in your car. It can happen in your front room, building one another up in the Lord. All right, with all that in mind, verse 9 now. So good. Just betrayal is so bad, but it can be overcome so easily. And, and loyalty is an important thing. Not blind loyalty, just loyalty. Loyalty is an important thing. Let us be known as men and women that are loyal to God and loyal to one another. That we might just know that we can God, we have each other's backs in the Lord, in the Lord for good and not for evil. Verse 9, so it was in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, you are righteous. Indeed, I conspired against my master and killed him. 
but who killed all these? Know now that nothing shall fall to the earth of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spoke concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done what he spoke by his servant Elijah. And so Jehu, verse 11, killed all who remained of the house of Ahab and Jezreel and all his great men and his close acquaintances and his priests until he left none remaining. Jehu appears to be doing what the word of the Lord was through Elijah, but he's not, not completely. He's wiping out the lineage of Ahab, but he went too far. Notice what it says, that it says at the end of verse 11, he also wiped out close acquaintances. God never said to do that. And priests, God never said to do that until none were remaining. Jehu is now acting out of emotion and zeal. There was wisdom and obedience in wiping out Ahab and his sons, according to the word, but taking out these others was not from God. He went too far. Hosea chapter 1, verse 4, it's a cross-reference. In Hosea chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu. And bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. You see, Jehu establishes kingdom, you'll recall, by killing King Joram at Jezreel just a few verses back in chapter 9. And this judgment now that's coming from God later will scatter the northern kingdom allowing the Assyrians to conquer them later on in 722 B.C. Jehu's killings exceeded the reform and became atrocities. And he ends up becoming very much just like those he replaced. A zeal and emotion that caused him to be disobedient and out of control. Verse 12, he arose and departed and went to Samaria and on the way at Beth Eked, of the shepherds, Jehu met with the brothers of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and said, Who are you? And they answered, We're the brothers of Ahaziah, and we've come down to greet the sons of the king and the sons of the queen mother. And he said, Take them alive. So they took them alive and killed them at the well of Beth Ek, 42 men, and he left none of them. Now when he departed from there, he met Jehonadadab. Uh, if you guys are pregnant and you need a name for your kid, there's one right there. Jehonadadab. Jehonadab. There you go. That's better. That sounds better. So it's even better if you want to name your son that, Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, <laughs> coming to meet him. He greeted him and said to him, Is your heart right as my heart is toward your heart? And Jehonadab answered, It is, Jehu said. If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand and he took him up into the chariot. And he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Remember I mentioned that Jehu was acting out of emotion and zeal, and here he's admitting it. He calls it a zeal for the Lord, but it's too much. So they had him ride in his chariot, verse 17. When he came to Samaria, he killed all who remained to Ahab in Samaria till he had destroyed them according to the words of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Jehu continues to find anyone related to, to uh, Ahab's line, wipes them out. And in verse 16, we, see, we begin to see inside the man of his pride. As, as you notice in verse 16, he says, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. See my zeal. He brags about his zeal for God and wants to be noticed. He goes too far in killing beyond his divine commission, and he takes close friends, chief officers, priests, and 
You know, this is a sign of a weakness of character, inward pride. It always concerns me. It always concerns me when I see men and women try to use ministry, try to use the church. Even over the years, I've noticed trying to use this particular church family to make a name for themselves, to try to show off whatever it might be uh, that they want to show off or try to control people through someone, through a church, to be seen by men. It's always wrong to do something for God to be seen by men. That's not ministry. That's pride. That's man's pride. Now, there are things that, there are ministries within the church that will put you before people. That's different. That's different. I mean, if you're just ministering to one other person, like, for example, when I asked you to encourage someone else, you were encouraging someone else, and they saw you with their own eyes. They encouraged, they heard you, and, and yet you weren't encouraging them to be seen by them. You were just simply encouraging them to encourage them. And it would be different if you ran up here and said, wait, 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 I want to encourage everybody. And, and you got, and they're like, whoa, bro, that's not, no, 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 go sit down. No, you can't tell me to sit down. And, and so, no, I'm asking you to go sit down. No, you can't tell me to sit down. And then the security people, and they one foot, one foot, one arm, one arm, and take you outside because that's not from the Lord. You're not to be seen by men. It's, it's better to what you do in secret, Jesus said. You just know God's going to reward you openly. And God, he sees everything. And it's a deep character flaw that's revealed in men and revealed in women that do things to be seen by men, to express, look at my zeal. Look at how zealous I am for God. And it's a very concerning thing. Notice verse 18. Then Jehu gathered all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, and Jehu will serve him much. Now therefore call to me all the prophets Baal, all his servants and all his priests. Let no one be missing, for I have a great sacrifice to make to Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. And notice in verse 19, but Jehu acted deceptively with the intent of destroying the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu said, proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it. Then Jehu sent throughout all Israel and all the Israel worshippers Baal came so that there was not a man left who did not come. So they came into the temple of Baal and the temple of Baal was full from one end to the other. And he said to the one in charge of the wardrobe, bring out vestments for all the worshippers Baal. So he uh, brought out the vestments for them. And Jehu and Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal and said to the worshippers of Baal, search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, but only the worshippers of Baal. So they went in to offer sacrifice and burnt offerings. And Jehu had appointed for himself 80 men on the outside and had said, If any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escapes, whoever lets him escape, it shall be his life for the life of the other. Verse 25. Now it was so, as soon as he had made an end of the offering, of the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and kill them. Let no one come out. And they killed them with the edge of the sword. Then the guards and the officers threw them out and went into the inner room of the temple of Baal. And they brought the sacred pillars out to the temple of Baal and burned them. They broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal and made it a refuse dump to this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. Interesting. So false worship is being dealt a death blow here by Jehu, but he does so deceptively, which leads to the question, is it okay to lie in order to bring out something good? 
Is it okay to lie? We see some people will answer that very, very quickly and say, well, of course it is. Because if something good comes out of it, then you can do whatever you need to do to bring out good. That is not a biblical principle. That's a worldly principle. That's the way we've been taught. We've been taught this, and it's been different phrases, but this is the phrase that, that most captures this. The end justifies the means. That's just the way a culture works. I can do whatever I want as long as the end has some redeeming value. But it is so not the Lord. It's not his principle. It's not his desire. He isn't told to lie here. God doesn't say lie so something good will come. He isn't giving Jehu a plan on how to destroy all the prophets of Baal. He does this on his own. Is it okay to lie in order to accomplish the will of God? The answer is no. And you, you say, it will prove it to me. Ah, thank you for asking. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just, Paul writes to the Romans. People were lying about Paul that he was teaching this very false concept that you can do whatever you want as long as good comes. You can do evil so that good comes. And the answer is no, you can't. Uh, in another place, Paul would ask the question, should we sin so that grace would abound? And you know how he answers that? Certainly not. The strongest phrase in the Greek language to say no. No, you can't sin so there'll be more grace. You allow God to be the dispenser of grace. And you choose and I choose to do what's right. Verse 29. However, Jehu... So here he is. He does all this. He does it deceptively. Get everybody in. Gets the worshipers of the Lord out. Destroys Baal. But then there's this however. Isn't there always a however? I hope there's not one in my life. I hope there's not one in your life. We shouldn't be so comfortable with this. Hey, look at him. Look at him. He's wiping out false worship. But... And that's not how you want your life to end, is it? And you had all these years following God, but, however, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. That is the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all of his heart. For he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam who had made Israel sin. In those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. Haziel conquered them and all the territory of Israel from the Jordan eastward, the land of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh, from Eror, which is by the river Arnon, including Gilead and Bashan. Now the rest of the acts of Jehu, all that he did and all his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Israel? So Jehu rested with his fathers. They buried him in Samaria. Then Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. And that period that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was 28 years. 28-year reign, but not all of it was in the Lord. Even though Jehu wiped out Ahab and he wiped out Baal worship, even though he did it the wrong way, it revealed the depth of his character. His heart was not fully trusting in God. 
It says right here in verse 31, he took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all of his heart. He didn't depart from the sins of Jeroboam. He still allowed and approved of calf worship. It's one of the places that we'll visit when we go to Israel. We'll go up to the northern part of Israel to Dan and they have a, an altar there that is a replica of what was there. And the children of Israel would worship calves there. These idols. And one commentator put it this way, and I quote, Jehu was an effective soldier, but he wasn't much of a builder. And he's remembered only for the people that he killed. He could have assembled a group of gifted men to assist him in promoting the true faith in the land, but he settled for following the crowd and worshiping the golden calves. And I thought about that in the, the highlight of our lives. What is it that our lives will be described as? Will it be, uh, we could have, we could have, and then fill in the blanks. We could have done something really great for God. We could have really stepped in obedience. We could have really made that hard decision. We could have really promoted true faith in our family. We could have really, whatever it might be, but we settled for some compromise, some worldly trinket, some thing that you took years to find out that it wasn't worth it. And his dynasty began Jehu with a murder and now it ends with murder. And in between it was incomplete obedience. And over and over and over again, that's what we see in these kings. And over and over again, the Lord is challenged, God is challenging us. Will we go all the way in taking the next step of obedience and taking the next step of dealing with compromise in our lives? I don't want my life to be summarized, but he settled, and then that was the rest of my life until I died. Oh, he did this great thing over here. Even though he did it the wrong way, he wiped out Ahab and his descendants. He wiped out Baal worship, at least temporarily. But then as soon as he wiped out Baal worship the wrong way by lying and being deceit deceitful, he turns to his own false worship worshiping calves instead of the one true God. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and a message called Take Heed to Walk in God's Ways. You can hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org or you can listen through our app and that can be found searching for Calvary Aurora. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time and production costs. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. As the title of the book would suggest, God's grace really does change everything in our lives. It's how we're birthed into the family of God and how we grow, too. It makes all the difference as you travel through the ups and downs of life. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Pastor Ed, I can't help but think someone listening right now is in need of prayer. Perhaps they've been hurt or betrayed, and we would love to pray for them. They can send those requests in by email, correct? We do have a large team of prayer warriors, we call them here at Calvary. 
Uh, we have people praying all the time, praying during services, before, after, various prayer meetings. We pray together all the time as a church family, and we are especially blessed to receive prayer requests from our listeners and those connected to our church from a distance. And you can email them directly to us, prayer at calvaryaurora.org. That's prayer at calvaryaurora. That's A-U-R-O-R-A.org. And we'll put that on our daily prayer list and hand it out to those that pray. And if you'd like to be a part of our prayer list, just make that request to the same email. Say, please add me to your prayer list. Uh, I'd like to pray with you. Prayer at calvaryaurora.org. You can send us requests or you can send a request to be on the list so that you join us in prayer. Either way, it's very important that we pray without ceasing. Again, please send those prayer requests to prayer at calvaryaurora.org. We look forward to hearing from you soon. We'll pick up where we left off in 2 Kings tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.